are listening to Last Word Soccer Club Radio. Only here, lastwordonsports.com. What's up, Internet? My name is Matt Pollard, and you are listening to Last Word Soccer Club Radio here at LastWordOnSports.com. It is the evening of Monday, May 8th, 2023. We're about a third of the way through the MLS season. We've got all of the cup competitions going on in the regions of CONCACAF, and we are on the brink of, apparently, uh, the first iteration of MLS Rivalry Week, which snuck up on me this week. It's been really crazy. It's been a while since we've podcasted, so uh, thank you for all for your patience, but we've got four members on the dais tonight to talk all things going on in American and Canadian soccer. First of all, we'll start with the man of the hour, given uh, the news regarding his New York Red Bulls, Harvey Cruz. Harvey, how are you? It is a busy time for you as a sports fan. Yeah, for sure. I don't know about the man of the hour. I don't think of the man of anything, but um, yeah, very uh, eventful. Um, we'll get to it in a bit, but yeah, um, I can't. I figured out today. I can't, I can't do a kettlebell workout without being interrupted by the news. So, yeah, big stuff. Big big stuff. So crazy. And then north of the border, uh, Raheem Bashir. Raheem, how are you doing? How are things in Toronto? Uh, I think um, it's very exciting in Toronto um, with uh, the potential new pro women's soccer team coming to the city. So um, there's uh, a bit of buzz on that. And then Rachel Krigger. Rachel, I don't know if we've, we haven't talked about this other than in text format. How are you and how are you excited that finally after, what, six years maybe of knowing each other, we will actually be seeing each other in person as the Fulham take on Brentford at a horrible stadium in Philadelphia. I think it's hilarious that in like the past six months, I I met Dan in person finally at the NWSL championship and like the dominoes, they, they just fall. I'm going to be, you know, finally, you know, toasting, hit saying cheers with my, my good friend. Yes. Matt Pollard. Very excited about that. Amazing that, uh, we, we got in the same row and we got in the same section and everything. There's one person in between us, so we might have to do a little bit of bartering there, Matt. But uh, yeah, it's exciting. I, I can't wait for it. It's going to be a great time. And uh, I mean, I will I will sacrifice going to the lesser side of Pennsylvania just for you, Matt. One person who was not willing to come to the state of Pennsylvania or the city of Philadelphia at all to meet us, Rachel, was one Harvey Cruz, who's choosing probably the right moral decision in staying on the other side of the Delaware River. But um, I don't want to piss off Philadelphia Union fans too bad there. So let's get into it, folks. We've got a great show for you. But Harvey, I will throw it to you first. It has been a tumultuous start to the season for the New York Red Bulls. I think it's a... I think there's a coming to a head standpoint where I have to question what this club is capable of being in MLS other than what they've been, which is perennial playoff team on a budget playing a very specific style of way. And when that doesn't work, they don't have a good pivot and they have a very clear and relatively low ceiling. And this season has started off very poorly. Gerhard Struber, who always looked like he was a temporary solution to their head coaching position, is now ultimately parted mutually 
from the club. And I'm wondering what you think this means in terms of the Red Bulls, in terms of big picture, where they stand in MLS, where they stand in the Red Bull mothership hierarchy. And just can they make anything of this season at all? Oh, can they make anything of the season? I'll go backwards. Can they make anything of the season? They probably can. It starts tomorrow. I mean, we're recording this on Monday. It starts tomorrow if they can beat DC United, who have started decently. That's something. Um, if they can get anything against NYCFC on the weekend, that's something. But um, Troy Lesesne, who replaces Girls Group, has a massive attack for the time because he now only has to right the ship. But he's got to integrate essentially um, an entire core of players. Lucinus is out. Lewis Morgan is out. Um, they've just been dealing with injuries. Sergio Gomez hasn't played yet, but that's been since like last season. And ultimately, Gerhard Struber didn't do himself any favors. I think, if anything, Gerhard Struber failed to live up to his own potential. People forget that when he came from Barnsley, they were both paid $2 million for his services. And that was, like, rare at the time. Because it's not like, um, you know, it's not like, I guess, in, in here in the U.S. where you could just trade picks for a, a coach's services. Stuff like that. But when you look at Gerhard Struber's tenure, like, it's just, you can't really tell what his best, um, tactics were you couldn't really tell what his best setup was so much flexibility between i remember the first game he played was columbus in the pandemic year in the mls cup when columbus won the won the final he played a 4-4-2 diamond and Caden clark was like the star of the team essentially remember Caden clark <laughs> but like even like beyond all that like you know they backed him you know they got him lewis morgan they got him andres reyes they got him um, Dante Vanzier, or whatever that's worth now, and all of that has gone down the drain. And you could like, you could argue multiple fronts for sacking Gareth Stuber. Let's just say the Dante the Dante Vanzier issue doesn't happen. You cannot excuse one win from eleven matches. You can't excuse um you know scoring less than a goal per game, or averaging less than a point per match. You know you can't excuse that for a team that finished fourth the the previous year home match. And by the way, lost that home match against Cincinnati, and Garcia was given the finger by fans as he made the lap around the pitch. So he just had a vibe with the fans, and at every turn he just didn't really take accountability for much of anything. And so he dug his own grave. He didn't really live up to his own standards per se. And look. I said that Troyles Sesne has a has a, a job in his hands. I mean, he was coach of the year for New Mexico United back in the USL, which I think carries some weight to it because it just shows that with I guess limited resources down the, in the lower divisions, you can make a proper team play a good way. But the thing that I took from his press conference earlier today on Monday was that they're still gonna play as Red Bull style, and I'm not sure like what that even means anymore. Because we've seen essentially from Jesse Marsh, who was like the perfect guy for the Rebel system, to Chris Armas, who tried to do it but couldn't hack it, to now uh, Bradley Carnell, who is doing wonders at St. Louis City, and now we go with and then goes Girl Struber, and it just it just like, it was like a slow roll towards like the bottom, um, and so. I'm not sure what's next for Red Bull. I mean, I hope the I hope Trey, Troy uh, excels because I don't want to have to go through this merry-go-round of managers, especially under a certain um, umbrella 
that Johan Snyder is trying to pick out from. Um, because that just means, I, I could just mean a random amount of things and a random amount of transfers. You know, Lucinus is becoming a bust, um, right before our eyes. Lewis Morgan's like the hero from last season, but he's injured. Um, Tom Barlow is still playing and getting minutes for some odd reason. Elias Manuel is coming off the bench in place of Corey Burke, who was let go by Philly for whatever reason. Um, it's just a mess, a whole mess. And, um, we're going to find out. Um, I think you'll most know when you find out most about this team is during the summer when how they back them, how they back Troy, and the and the the chances that might come in might not come in. Because I mean, really, the only signings they're making is um is um excuse me, I'm doing brain thought through the second team. They signed a kid, Ron, Ron, Ronald Decker, um, who made his debut not in the second team but this past weekend against Philly as an 18 year old midfielder. That just goes to show you like the kind of weird uh like communication because you were supposed to be going to the second team. So I don't know. Look, if I was if it was me, I w- he would have been gone, um, like most people after the incident with Banzir. Or let's just say you don't do it. Let's just say you keep him on for another day or another few games. You could you could have sacked them after whichever result in the games after I'm trying I'm drawing blanks, but like their only win was a comeback win. They don't they didn't really hold leads per se. And um if it was up to me, I would have said, Hey, Ibrahim's a guy, you're doing cool with the second team, but you're the first team manager now. Yeah, I would have made that thing like a promotion to him. Um would have been fine yeah, would have done better than hiring a guy from the front office to take over. Um, even though he's got a decent pedigree on him. So they have a ton of work to do. A ton of work to do. And whether it's transfers um, or form, for me, it's the style of play. Like, are they actually going to connect a few passes? Are they just going to press the hell out of people for, for the sake of it? Because they, they're like the league leaders in like tackles made and duels and all that. That doesn't help much when you don't have any, um, you know, cohesion from midfield. Or if you don't have any strikers that can hold up the ball, or if you just play one striker, then two strikers, then three at the back, then four at the back, so um, it made no sense, and um, it was just uh, a long time coming, a long time coming for them to sack him. So they got work to do. Raheem, you're our Eastern Conference expert. Obviously, you've got Toronto, who's trying to make a push-up. You know, I look at two very good teams out of the state of Ohio. I look at Philadelphia, who's, you know, now out of CCL. There's a lot of top-end talent in that part of MLS. Can Ray Bulls make the playoffs, or in your opinion, do you think this is the year the playoff streak ends for New York? I think... I think it might be the one where it ends. Um, I will say though that I remember in 2019, Toronto FC had a very bad start to the season, and then they, and then that last stage of the season they came back, and then they made the playoffs and they made the MLS Cup final. Uh, I'm wondering, you know, Red Bulls or the Galaxy, uh, will they rebound after having such a bad start? Will they rebound and make the playoffs? Um, with the Red Bulls, um, the one, um, uh, one thing that I noticed is that they 
are capable of getting results. So this is also with Toronto FC, but I noticed the Red Bulls have six draws. Um, if they can turn those draws into wins, uh, they can, they have a chance of making the playoffs. But um, it, it, it's, uh, it's impressive that the Red Bulls have made the playoffs for so long, for such a period, extended period of time. But um, this year, uh, if I, they, I think they may miss the playoffs because um, I think there's other teams that might uh, catch fire later in the season. I think CF Montreal is one that is catching um, some heat. Moving on to the other dismissal that we had from today, Ezra Henderson is out at Chicago Fire. Language slightly different in the press releases that have come out. So where, you know, Harvey, feel free to chime in if it's different. It seemed to be a mutual, yeah, this isn't working kind of divorce. But Chicago Fire clearly pointing the blame or at least saying it's not us, it's you. Rachel Krigger, I still think it very much is the Chicago Fire that have a problem. First of all, you're appointing Frank Klopas as the interim manager. How is this guy still getting opportunities within that club? For me, I mean, he is on par with he's in the same category as like Frank Yallop and Dominic Kinnear. Would I want him as like the second or the third assistant? On an MLS coaching staff, yeah, fine, I could be talked into that, but he just keeps he's just keeps being in and around that club, and you have to think at one point he's so involved in it. Maybe he's been a part of he's clearly been a part of past failures. Um, this is a roster build that has not worked out. Uh, I think it's fair to say at this point that Shakiri is a bust in MLS and a waste of money as a DP. He's coming off um, as a substitute as well. Casper Shabilko hasn't really worked out. This is a team that has whiffed on big money DPs. This is a team that has whiffed on U22 signings and on interleague business as well. Uh, they are potentially about to be not urgently, but could eventually become the only only residents of Soldier Field if Chicago Bears actually build that stadium in the suburbs and everything and they're not getting a whole lot of fans the crowds are low and everything and this has been going on for a decade rachel the chicago fire have been rebuilding since the start of this podcast which started in 2014 that is how bad we are at i'm not sure have the fire made the playoffs in that time i don't know that they maybe once in covid when they expanded the playoff format i'm not sure and even with the expanded port i think you could you could expand the playoff format to 13 teams in the eastern conference and even then i'd still probably pick the chicago fire to not make it um i i don't know what to they finally have a good owner i think who cares and who wants to invest in the club financially but everything on the technical side has failed spectacularly ezra henderson was the low-hanging fruit that you could change to try and move to try and shake things up and everything i don't think frank klopas saves the season i think at some point you are punting for let's see what some of the players on the bench have and then try and make some moves in the summer for next year already which is a sad thing to say what 10 11 games into the season i don't know how it gets better from here other than just leaning on the fact that you've got an owner that cares when previously the ownership did not and was not spending money but i don't know that there's a lot of competency nor patience on the technical side in this club right now and it's miserable for a fan base that has been miserable. Like Rapids fans are disgruntled and mad and angry that they don't spend money and everything. Like this team still like they've still had two really great regular seasons and made the playoffs multiple times under Robin Frazier. Rachel, where the where the heck do things go from here? Um I, I have to feel like Ezra Henderson is the least potatoy potato associated with the Chicago Fire. Before any Chicago Fire fans come in, last word SC. 
uh, on on Twitter or in the podcast comments. It it is warranted. Um, yes, you are correct, Matt. They have made the playoffs like once in the last. Oh God, how many years since this podcast has been a thing? Um, and that was way back in ye old 2017. Um, it's been a long time, and that kind of like I hate to you know crap on Chicago's parade with that year, but it was kind of a fluke too. They went out pretty much almost immediately. They they just you know I listened to there was a I guess for the White Sox somebody called into their radio show and went on like a ten minute rant yelling. Um, about how the White Sox keep rebuilding and rebuilding and rebuilding and rebuilding and claiming that they're doing all of this stuff and 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 the, the change is going to happen and stuff and it seems like the Chicago Fire are just going to be another uh, Chicago White Sox team because they're they've been saying how they're rebuilding and rebuilding um, and and I totally I agree with you completely Matt I think the the ownership is is fairly solid um, but I just think that. The on the field product has to be good too, you know. And you know, an entirely different sport is is someone who coaches basketball. Listen, it's not always the the coach's fault. The players got to be good enough too. Um, that takes me back to that old um, you know, what are we doing from um Taylor Twelman when he when he stated for the national team the players got to be you know prepared and 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 good too. And Chicago's just not getting that production. They keep losing games. They have really uh, little to no consistency at all. Their goal differential is always really bad. So it's not just their uh, lack of scoring on offense. It is their lack of keeping goals out of the net on defense. Um, but, you know, Chicago just two, five and three right now. It's just not good enough. Um, and, and it needs to be better. And I, I think, you know, we're still somewhat early in the season um, with with 10 to 11 matches being played, but I just don't really see how Chicago turns it around this year with how the competition is in the East. Um, and so, yeah, chalk this up, I guess, is another rebuilding year. And then honestly, Matt, to like next year is going to be chalked up as one of those rebuilding years too, because you're going to get a coach and they're going to say, um, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day, give us time. And I mean, listen, we have the debate all the time. What's the better conference, the East or the West? And I certainly think that the West still remains um, the the better of the two conferences. But listen, the the East is no cakewalk either. I mean, look at Philadelphia. They're in seventh place right now. But Chicago just like they're they're not keeping up with the Joneses, if you will. Um, And they just I mean, it's like how much more can can that city take? I mean, it shows with the the lack of fans in attendance, um, and that frustration is only going to grow more and more and more and more. So I, I hope for the the fans of the Chicago Fire that it does change. Um, but I mean, again, I think we're still going to be talking about oh, it's another rebuilding year for the next, you know, definitely the rest of this season, and then at least at the beginning of next season. Um, I, I don't really know what the solution is for them. I agree with you, Rachel. I do not think the Chicago Fire end up making the playoffs this year. I think I, I don't believe either Red Bull or Chicago will make it, but I think definitely Red Bulls are the more likely one to do so. And then just to give myself a fact check here, uh, in the history of Last Word Soccer Club Radio, the Fire have made the playoffs. It was once in 2017, and they were one and done. They lost 4-0 in 2017 to Harvey's New York Red Bulls. Um, so... Uh, what does it say about you as a club when you've only made it one? You only made the playoffs once, and then your big playoff triumph was losing to the New York Red Bulls four 0 at home. Um, 
All right. Um, and then Chicago Fire, it, it does not get any easier. I guess it's there's an opportunity for a a reset and a new manager bounce potentially for both these clubs, as Harvey just mentioned. You know, you've got Atlantic Cup in Atlantic Cup rivalry in the Open Cup against DC United tomorrow night, and then you've got Hudson River Derby this weekend against NYCFC, and then Chicago Fire have a doubleheader. Um, home series against St. Louis City in their first ever matchups against the new MLS expansion team. And I'd argue a rivalry, given what that looks like um, with the other sports teams between the two cities as well, playing in the Open Cup at Bridgeview in the midweek and then back at Soldier Field in MLS play on the weekend as well. So we'll see what happens. In the spirit of that Esther Henderson quote about questioning pressure and whether or not someone uh, whether or not a player metaphorically gets put into boiling water and either hardens like an egg or becomes soft like a potato we're now going to do a new series a new segment uh, on the podcast where uh, we predict so far this season our eggs and potatoes we will start with our potatoes and I will go to Rachel um, and so we're defining this folks by picking a team that has underwhelmed and has not been has not matched up with preseason expectations that is a potato and then a team that is exceeding expectations a team that has looked at that pressure and then become harder and firmer and better and more filled with protein i suppose and that is an egg rachel who is your third of the way through the mls season potato my potato i didn't really have too many hopes going into the season for them but i picked austin fc uh sitting in in 12th place in the Western Conference right now. I will say shout out to Will Bruin, former Seattle Sounder, who helped uh who helped Austin get a draw against uh the, the Portland Timbers this past weekend. So um what once a sounder, always a sounder is <laughs> going against Portland. But uh yeah, two, four, and four. I just think that there's too much talent on this team to not have a better record right now. I mean, you know, I just said it that I think the 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 Western Conference is certainly the the tougher of the two conferences, I would argue. Um, and of course, you know, you didn't really know what St. Louis was going to do this season. Were they going to be, you know, a- a- out from the start of the gate or were they going to be really, really good um, to, to open it up? But I mean, to be in 12th place, uh, I-, I honestly think that they're better than, you know, Real Salt Lake's only, you know, one spot ahead of them. I, I think they're better than than Minnesota right now, although they're getting Emmanuel Reynoso back. Um, I don't know. I just think that Austin has too much talent to be that low in the Western Conference. I think they need a little bit more from their star players. And if they get that, I don't think all hope is lost for them. Um, the, the West is always is super duper tight. Um, and they can turn the ship around. But right now, I just don't really see uh, too, too much stuff to be confident about from Austin. I mean, their last few matches, two draws in a row, um, and they haven't won a game since, uh, I mean, besides CONCACAF Champions League, since March 11th uh, against Real Salt Lake. So it's been a while since they've been in the the win column. The draws are certainly uh, a lot more, you know, positive than the 3-0 and then the 2-0 loss, respectively, to LAFC and LA Galaxy. But, I mean, those draws need to turn into wins if you want to stack up in the West. So, um, yeah, right now Austin's my, my potato. So sorry to my, to my friends in, in Verde, but gotta be better. Raheem, who is your potato? Well, I had the, uh, New York Red Bull. So, um, I'll just mention briefly since I talked about before, but the, I think the Red Bulls, um, they've had a lot of drama, obviously with the racial slur. Um, they haven't really, 
uh, been like years past. And in MLS, I do believe that there's a window in terms of um, what you can do. Like, I know there was a window for the Galaxy. Toronto FC had a window which kind of ended in 2019. And I'm wondering if the window for the Red Bulls is ending this year. Um, and the, on, the only encouraging thing is that they are getting draws, which means that they can turn those draws into wins later in the season. I, it has been proven, um, Toronto FC in 2019, where they had a really bad start and then they were able to make the MLS Cup final. Um, it doesn't happen often, but uh, it could happen either with the Red Bulls or the Galaxy or some of the other teams that started off um, badly. And then Harvey, who is your potato? I'm going to flip it on Raheem with uh, Toronto. Not for any spite nothing like that, because I'm fully with them on the Red Bulls. But Toronto has really disappointed me. This team made moves ever since last season into this season. They quote-unquote upgraded their goalkeeper position, getting Sean Johnson, getting Shane O'Neill. Um, look, for me, this is becoming too much of the Federico Bernardeschi show. And it's only because Insignia is getting hurt. But they're not getting much, or I should say they're not getting enough in attack, my money, from guys like Diamande and Ayo Canola. If there's one positive that I do like, it is that they have a defender in Kobe Franklin, who's young, 19, leads their, leads their team in receptions. So that's that's something to watch out for, for I guess their future and Canadian setup as well. But they've just been horrible at defending. I mean, at times it's been so bad that they're leaky. I think it all started from their opening game against Toronto. I mean, Toronto against DC United. But even still, like some of their games haven't been impressive. Losing to Philadelphia 4-2. Drawing against the likes of Atlanta United, Charlotte. You drew at San Jose. Get it? I get it. The San Jose is like an up-and-coming team right now. But still, I mean, you're conceding like a goal and a half per game. You're scoring almost a goal per game. And this team has to make the playoffs. Like, we we need to understand that Toronto didn't make these moves just to become a, a household name again in the minds of, of us, you know, soccer heads. They are two points out of a playoff spot. And hilariously enough, they are three points ahead of my Red Bulls. And my Red Bulls are five points ahead of a playoff spot. But I'm not going to name my hotel for that. They only have one win in five. They play Montreal in the Derby um, this weekend. Um, twice, I should say. They have the cup as well. And then they host uh, my Red Bulls. Then they go to Austin. And then they finish up May, home to D.C. and home to Chicago. So you got to start stacking up some wins here. And you got to start making some head because if you don't, then you got to wonder, what are you going to do for the summer? And you got to start making changes to either your midfield or your wing backs or whatever. Because if this team doesn't make the playoffs, then what's, what's next for Bob Bradley? What's he going to do for like another year under this team? And what, what, oh, how much more money are they going to pop into this team to, to make a, a playoff spot, to make um, a home playoff game? So my team is Toronto. Egg. And then for our last, or excuse me, yeah, you meant potato there, 
Harvey. Um, so my potato is the LA Galaxy, who have just one win in MLS, and we're playing the one of the only other teams as bad as them over the weekend in Colorado Rapids, and they proceeded to lose three to one. And then their former scapegoat Kevin Cabral scored the game-winning goal against the Galaxy. Um, it's bad right now. I was not optimistic about this team going into the season. I had them barely making the playoffs. I didn't think that the roster build was all that great in the offseason. They lost their two good wingers, obviously. And then obviously Julian Araujo right before the close of the European transfer window after all that paperwork stuff needed to get sorted out that actually sent him to Barcelona. And they didn't reinvest in the squad. Obviously, they've got the transfer ban coming up in the summer, which is going to limit any of their potential to try and improve on the squad right now. And I think it's pretty clear that what's going on with the supporter boycott is seeping into the club and is making things really toxic. Greg Vanny's become really punchy and really defensive as well. Chicharito's calling people out right now. Like it's not healthy at the very least more Chicago and New York Red Bulls on some level. They have, okay, a coach is fired. We're united on the fact that this is now all on us and we're playing for our job. Let's unite and try and do something on there. Everybody's still pointing the fingers. Ironically, there's a lot of pointing the fingers at Chris Klein, who still manages to have his job. And if the Galaxy somehow finish ninth in the Western Conference and win that game, that play-in game against the eighth seed, then it'll be enough enough for him to keep his job. I'm not sure. I, I think it can get better because I think if you just lean on Ricky Pooge and on Chicharito, that that's enough for them to get through. But Douglas Costa is still there and being a, a toxic heel to the point where he's saying that, um, you know, that the the hate even from his own fans about judging him for being washed up and collecting a paycheck and not actually being good fuels him and everything. I, I'm not sure how things get better just because I feel like the pressure of playing in this market and the fact that their noisy neighbor, their little brother is now their younger but bigger and better brother is just going to completely collapse on the club and everything. And ironically, I think I don't think firing Greg Vanny or firing the head coach would be the um, would be the low hanging fruit. But I don't think you can I don't think the front office and ownership can get away with that at this point. And I don't think Greg Vanny is the main problem. I would overhaul the entire front office. I would contemplate even, you know, uh, AEG selling the club before I think Greg Vanny deserves to be fired. Obviously, the answer right now would be, OK, the roster build in the offseason with the departures and how the replacements came in was not good enough. We need to make two or three significant signings in the summer. And you can't because of the transfer ban, because of what Chris Klein did who still has his job as well. Um, I don't see how it gets better because not because this team isn't more talented than uh, the two teams who fired head coaches today, just they can't improve on the team and it's still just going to be toxic until the supporters boycott completely ends or Chris Klein is no longer with the club. And I don't think either of those things is happening before the end of the season. We know whether or not this team makes the playoffs. Um, so they're maybe they're a potato in that the LA Galaxy should never be this bad in MLS and MLS is better when the galaxy are good and pushing other clubs as well. They're a potato in that things have gotten so toxic. This isn't necessarily a boiled soft potato. This is a potato that was already moldy. That has only become slightly mushy by uh, being, uh, by being put in boiling water. And with that, Rachel, I would throw it to you to the good things. Let's get some protein in here. What is your egg? Who is your egg? Alrighty. My egg is the San Jose earthquakes. In honor of our friend Daniel Sperry, I am going to do a positive Quakes rant. I'm just kidding. It, nothing could be as good as, as Dan Sperry's Quakes rants, whether they be 
good or bad. But the Earthquakes, they are sitting in, uh, what is that, four, yeah, fourth place in the Western Conference with a 5-3-3 three, and three record. It's not perfect, but hey, it's getting the job done in a really, really tough uh, Western Conference. Um, I think San Jose just has all the confidence in the world right now. Um, with how they're playing, they're they're playing good soccer. They just beat LAFC, so they should have all the confidence in the world. As LAFC was the last remaining um, undefeated team in the league, and San Jose said, "Uh, uh-uh, no way. It's uh, it's it's our time to to get the attention of California a little bit." So good for good for San Jose. As that's coming from a Sounders fan. Thank you. I like to see LAFC get knocked out knock down a peg or two a time or two. But um, yeah, I just think, you know, San Jose kind of shocking everybody. Like I said, really, really tough conference there. Um, and, and they're winning games and they're doing it well. Um, I, I hope my only wish for San Jose is that I hope that they continue um, to be consistent. They have a really tough stretch of games coming up here. Um, listen to the rest of their May schedule here. Galaxy, LAFC, FC Dallas, Seattle Sounders. That is certainly not an easy uh, bout of matches. All of those teams being in fifth place or above, except for uh, the LA Galaxy. So um, I, I think if if San Jose could even get draws in some of these games, I think they could see that as a positive. Um, they are on the road against LAFC and uh, Seattle Sounders. So I think they'll be watching, especially for that Sounders game, a little bit of... Um, uh, sporting Kansas City's uh, highlights there, but I think if you could get some some away draws against Seattle and LAFC, that's a that's really I think that's a positive. I think they need to win at home against FC Dallas, um, and then I think you know that they can very well win on the road against the Galaxy, like you said, Matt, talking about the dysfunction with that Galaxy team. But San Jose is just red hot right now. They they have all the confidence in the world, and they're they're showing people that there's not just two teams uh in, in California to pay attention to that they should also get some recognition as well so I like San Jose I like what they're doing right now and honestly I think they're kind of doing it under the radar um and I think that kind of helps them a little bit so we'll see what the rest of May holds for them um but yeah if they can get a couple draws I think they'll be in in good shape going into the summer Raheem who's your egg It is the expansion team, uh, St. Louis City SC. Uh, what they have done has been very impressive. They won their first four or five games. Uh, they have cooled down a bit, but they lost to Minnesota, they lost to Seattle. But it is impressive. I don't believe they will make a big run in the playoffs if they do, because I feel like there's a bit of inexperience as a team. Um, if they make the playoffs, but it, it's a it's a very uh, remarkable story because uh, most expansion teams don't do this well. Um, I guess if you look at the four major sports, uh, I guess the one that pops up is the Vegas Golden Knights making the Stanley Cup Finals in the inaugural season. Obviously, uh, the Chicago Fire won the MLS Cup in the inaugural season, but at that time. MLS was a very new league, so I don't believe that feat is going to be repeated again. But it's a very remarkable story, and if they do well and they make a deep run in the playoffs, it's something that they can tell the tells off if they're able to pull it off and keep it up. 
Harvey, who's your egg? I'm gonna go with the New England Revolution, the top uh, top team in the East. New England Revolution, tied with Cincy. I did not see this coming at all, given how poor they were last season. Um, but Bruce Arena is doing it somehow. He's making Bobby Wood um, become a formidable striker with three goals and two assists. Deshaun Jones is balling out at right wing. They still got Carlos Hill and Giacomo Veroni and Gustavo Boa and all that. And they got, for my money, the best goalkeeper in the league and um, Giorgio Petrovic. So a guy that's going to get looked at in the summer by European clubs, in my opinion. And also Dylan Barrero, who sadly is out for the season, I guess with his ACL injury. So that's a huge blow to their MLS Cup bid or supporter shield bid if they uh, carry on this path. But nine games on beating Dan lost in about two months. They're sweeping aside all comers. Um, they've already beaten the likes of um, Nashville, uh, Sporting, Kansas City. They drew with Cincinnati a few weeks ago. Uh, they drew against NYCFC, even though they took the lead in that one. And it's like they're hating the style all of a sudden. I don't understand because, you know, you look at the summer window, and they got Nacho Hill, the, the color of the brother of Carlos Hill. They brought in David Romney, a veteran. They brought in Ben Sweat, who was really let go from Sporting Kansas City. You know, they brought in Latif Blessing, who they're not really using that much, but he can still uh, make an impact for this team. And the top of the East, for God's sake. I, I don't understand how they're doing it. They've only conceded nine goals on the season. They've only lost once. And they are... um. They're just rolling. They have the R- Pittsburgh Riverhounds, um, um, Rachel's second favorite team uh, in, the, in the Open Cup. They've also got into Miami this weekend um, before they finish up May with Philadelphia, Chicago, and Atlanta. So this team is just, it, it's, it's surprising me. And it's making uh, Bruce Arena become uh, a candidate for coach of the year. Although it should just be Bradley Cornell hands down if he continues on the path. So um shout out to um to uh New England. It's uh it's about time that they kinda like uh picked up this sort of form. Um and good to them. And then lastly, my egg, I'm gonna pick FC Cincinnati. I will admit this is the we had expectations for this club and maybe that maybe we didn't for the other three eggs. Um, and I think we knew that they were going to be a playoff team. They were a playoff team last year. Um, and I think the expectation was for them to be one of those top four teams in the Eastern Conference, host a home playoff game. But you look at it right now, they are tied on points with the Supporters' Shield leading uh New England Revolution. Um, they're uh, the tiebreakers goal difference, and New England has a much better goal difference. But you look at FC Cincinnati; they've taken care of results at home, and they've gotten some really big wins against other teams that you would consider on par in Major League Soccer. They beat Seattle Sounders a couple months ago um, in the first month of the season, and this is a team that is looking like a well-oiled machine that has. Multiple pieces can do a bunch of different things tactically. The culture's completely changed from where they were in their first couple years in MLS. And just every single person within the club appears to be clicking and performing at their highest level right now. Pat Noonan was a fantastic hire from a head coaching standpoint. Bariel has been great. 
The defense is much improved with Matt Miazga and Santi Mosquera um, in defense as well. Uh, the only real question that I have about this team, just given all the hubbub around their strikers and everything, is do they lose a significant piece in the offseason? There's been a lot of scuttlebutt around Brenner. Um Vasquez as well, who's been in and out with the U.S. national team. Could there be interest from Europe from him as well? And then at what point does that become a worthwhile long-term financial decision for the club, maybe at the expense of some of the continuity that they're building right now? And then do they sign, do they sell one of those players for enough money that they can reinvest in that same window in the summer and then have that player hit the ground running? That's maybe the only thing that I'm kind of questioning their ceiling Right now in MLS, you compare that to say, I look at New England, you know, um, Carlos Seal isn't going anywhere. Bruce Arena isn't going anywhere. Georgie Petrovic and goal isn't going anywhere. Nashville SC, is Walker Zimmerman going to Europe this summer? Probably not. Honey Mukhtar is not leaving the club as well. The other big pieces for the teams that they'd be competing with at the top of the Eastern Conference and even at the top of um, the, just the supporter shield in general. Um, Rachel, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think Jordan Morris is leaving Seattle Sounders anytime soon. I do think LAFC could lose one of their big players this offseason, but they've shown they just completely reload because that team is playing, you know, with the, you know, GM uh, stuff on easy mode in FIFA right now. So I, I think FC Cincinnati is a very good team. I think they are a dark horse for the supporter shield, which is which surpasses the expectations of what I had for them this season. I do think there's a possibility they go from a hard-boiled egg to a soft-boiled egg this summer, depending on who they lose and then what that looks like in terms of the landscape in the Eastern Conference. Uh, we'll be heading on to talk about all of the cup competitions in North America. But first, I want to tell you, listeners, uh, I want to give a big shout out to our sponsor, Athletic Greens. Their signature AG1 is perfect for daily nutrition and gut health support. AG1 solves two of the many important health needs for you, nutrition that your body needs every single day and the foundation for long-term gut health as well. Together, they feel your whole body impact everything you do from sleep, digestion, energy, mood, immunity to help you have healthy skin, hair, nails, and a healthy body. Simply follow the link in the description of this podcast and get started today with Athletic Greens. With that, let's move on to the CONCACAF Champions League. Rachel, I will throw it to you first. You were the one kind of drumming up who the Mexican opponent was going to be for LAFC. Um, what did you make of how the Liga MX teams who dueled it out and what could be waiting for uh, the black and gold in the final? Oh, man, it was. Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of Liga Emeki's. Um, cover the women's uh, side pretty regularly, but I, I enjoy the men's game, too. Uh, shout out to Club Tijuana. That's my club. Um, but the, the Mexican series was just just so very thrilling. Um, yeah, Tigres and, and Club Leon played uh, on one side and then you had the American club clubs playing on the other side. Uh, and Leon gets the best of, of Tigres, but definitely uh, not without a fight. Uh, it was a 4-3 aggregate final score. Um, Tigres only won 2-1 to one at home, and then Leon put up three at home um, against against Tigres. And it was that, that final game was, you know, obviously super entertaining. It always is between the Liga and Mekis clubs. Um, I, I think that, you know, it's going to be a good matchup. I know a lot of people were wanting Tigres and uh, LAFC, but um, I like this Leon side. I like uh, Embriz. He scored one of the uh, games in the in, in the second. I think it was the second leg he scored um, for Leon. 
Um, and, and I think that they, you know, Leon has a lot to prove. I think they certainly, all the teams in Mexico are like, hey, we want to get that crown back after. Of course, Matt, I couldn't go without saying that the Seattle Sounders were the first team in Major League Soccer uh, to win the CONCACAF Champions League. Um, but I, I think if anybody's going to do it, it is going to be Philadelphia. I'm sorry, Los Angeles. Sorry, Philadelphia fans. I'm so sorry for the, the slip of the tongue. But uh, LAFC to, you know, beat Leon. Um, it has been proven now. And I think a lot of teams kind of have that confidence and I'm sure LAFC does, but you know, these Mexican teams are very proud and they, they want to keep, um, they want to keep the crown on top of their heads, uh, and, and they want to get that crown back and I don't blame them. Um, so I think it's going to be a matchup to watch for sure. Uh, Leon is definitely kind of, I honestly think Leon is the underdog in this game. Um, they're not having the, the, the top tier Liga MX season. A lot of people thought that they were going to have. Um, but I mean, they're a solid team as always. So, um, yeah, a lot of players to, to watch for Leon and, you know, gearing up for, um, the, the, the final, I'm sure we're going to have a lot to talk about. And, um, I'm excited for it too because Club Leon has uh, Joel Campbell on their team from the Costa Rican men's national team. Um, big fan of that team and and just big fan of Joel Campbell as well. So um, they have a nice mixture on their team of of Mexican players. They got some Ecuadorian guys. Uh, I think they have like three or four Colombian guys, um, and, and then they have I think like maybe three or four Argentinian guys too. So a nice little mixture of of South American and then Concacaf um, players on their team. And, and yeah, I think it's just going to be a really entertaining game. And, uh, Leon deservedly going through in a, in a really, really, really tough, uh, matchup with, with Tigres. Harvey, the semifinal on the other side of the bracket was a rematch of MLS cup. And really it, um, it feels like LAFC are becoming the, the bogey team or the, they are the, Chicago Blackhawks to Patrick Ewing's Knicks in terms of for the Philadelphia Union and them being denied an MLS Cup uh, in the MLS Cup final last year and then obviously being denied going through to the CONCACAF Champions League final. What ultimately ended up being a blowout as really Philly capitulated down a man in that second leg as well. Harvey, what'd you make of that matchup as well? And um, you know, is this clearly showing a tier that it's LAFC and then everybody else in Philadelphia Union are very much the bridesmaid to LAFC who just keep getting married? Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned the uh, Chicago Blackhawks, not not the Bulls to the Knicks and whatnot. But the, I will say, shout out to Blackhawks, man, getting Connor Bedard. It's funny, you get that look when you go from Kane and Taves and Seabrook to Bedard and whoever. If only you didn't trade Alex DeBrincat, who knows? But whatever. Um, I won't go to hockey. Um, I, I, hockey worries me enough. But this is just the simple case that you mentioned that it's LAFC. It's a whole bunch of, of whatever land. And then below that, it's just everybody else in MLS. No team matches this standard right now in, in MLS when it comes to LAFC. They are the standard of the league. And it was just so important for Philadelphia to escape the first leg with the 1-0 lead. Just to put into the minds of LAFC that they can, that they had to just overcome something in order to advance. But as soon as, um, I believe it was kind of a cost to get the deftest of touches, um, to beat Andre Blake for the equalizer in the 94th, 95th minute, boom, you essentially restart the ties. It was really going to California and LAFC just had their way. 
and it just it just so so you know if you read on Twitter you would think that they're not deep per se. But it's almost as if their first um their first starting their first eleven is just too good to, you know, just bring anybody off the bench. When you have guys like Dennis Boanga and I mean Aralong is Aralong but whatever, but they, they just hold it down. And that team just plays everybody off the park. They're not gonna win every game per se, but they, they've like prioritized this this competition as they should and um, Steve Turner was building something that was a great thing already under Bob Bradley. But this thing is just taken off into a whole other stratosphere now. And you kind of wonder, like, where does it, like, where does it all lead to? Like, you know, like, how how much further can they keep this going? Because they're favorites against Club Leon for, for the title. And they're only they've only played nine games in the league, and yet they're two points behind uh, Seattle uh, in the West. So they're just this big old machine that, even though they beat, um, I'm sorry, they lost to uh, San Jose, sure, but you know, beating this team um, would just be another feather in the cap and just showcase that this team is the the standard, the standard in um, in MLS right now. Raheem, you are very familiar with MLS versus Liga Mekis matchups in the CONCACAF Champions League final. Do you think LAFC are the favorites here? Or do you think that they ultimately win over Leon? I think they are the favorites. Um, what I find impressive about LAFC is that when Toronto FC went on their one and they lost in the final, they did not make the playoffs that year. When Seattle won last year, they didn't make the um, they are that year. LAFC, as Harvey mentioned, are quite up there. They're like third or fourth in the Western Conference, which is very impressive because when you're prioritizing this competition, generally the competition in MLS suffers. I think they're the favorites. Now, that does not necessarily mean that they're going to win, but I feel like they are... Um, this is their moment to win the CONCACAF Champions League. I know they were very close a few years ago, but I think this time is the time to win it. Good points there made all around. The thing that I am really curious about when it comes to this final in LAFC is what will this say about them as a team? Because you're looking at it, I believe it's back-to-back Supporter Shield winners and then obviously defending MLS Cup champions and then now potentially Champions League as well. I think you could argue if they were to win Champions League, that is the best two-year run they're um, or two or three year run that an MLS team has had in terms of the diversity of trophies they've won, how they've dominated regular season, how they've dominated through the playoffs as well. And if they were to cap that off with another shield, an open cup, a league's cup, um, you know, another MLS cup as well, then I think where it's kind of hard to say LAFC's dynasty when you're only talking about maybe, you know, two and a half years really of play because you're talking about the first half of one of the third season for Champions League and the other two you're talking about a supporter shield and the middle of the year supporter shield and an MLS Cup as well but I think we can certainly say that this is the best shorter run that you could have and then I think if they were to cap that off with another trophy this season then I think we need to start having uh, we need to start having a conversation
conversation about using the D word dynasty to describe what this LAFC team has done um, in the last several years since the end of COVID. I think that does it for all of our Champions League talk. So we will get into the Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup um, this uh, tomorrow and Wednesday at time of recording. We'll be getting into the fourth round proper which is the round of 32, almost no non almost no matchups in that do not involve an MLS team at this point. So for our three Americans on the podcast here, we were predicting a favorite matchup, a matchup that we're most excited about, and then a cup set, and then defining a cup set clearly as a lower-seeded team being an MLS team. So Rachel, I will go to you first. Give me your cup set in this round of the Lamar Hunt US Open Cup. Oh, you know, I wanted to pick Pittsburgh, but I did not. Um, <laughs> I instead decided to pick uh, New Mexico versus Austin. Um, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna repeat myself too much, Matt, because I know we got a lot to cover for the rest of the show. But again, Austin just not playing um, the greatest soccer of their lives right now. Haven't won a game in, in quite some time. Um, and and I just think New Mexico. Yes, they are struggling a little bit in USL, but. I think they could take advantage. They could really light a pepper under themselves and uh, and and take excuse me take down this Austin team. Nobody has really stood out to me for New Mexico, um, but someone can be a superstar. Uh, Sergio Rivas, Greg Hurst are tied with two goals apiece to lead the team, and they have like six or seven guys who have one goal. Um, so really, it's an all around spread out team effort. Um, a lot more draws than they have wins. Uh, New Mexico, but I think right now they could, like, Austin for me out of these cup set teams are probably like the weaker of the MLS side. Sorry, Austin Verde fans, but I mean, it is kind of facts if you haven't won since March. Um, so, yeah, I think if anybody can make uh, make a cup set, I think New Mexico has a really strong chance of, of doing so against Austin. Harvey, what is your match of the round? You want me to go cup set? You want me to go uh, big? Big, uh, big or, matchup. We'll favorite. do cup sets in a minute. I am interested to see um, how the Galaxy respond against Seattle. Now, it is uh, a nothing burger if it goes to type. But I'm interested to see um, how Seattle plays this because Seattle's been playing the youngsters. Even though Brian Schmetzer does prioritize his competition, they um, escaped their last round with a narrow win. I believe that's the time. LA Galaxy need this just in any sort of fashion just to get anything going. Um, so I'm interested to see how this goes. Um, LA Galaxy are at home. I don't expect a big crowd for this one, especially since it's, in the, it's midweek. So, look, there's two teams in opposite directions, and I need... Uh, if you're looking for like an MLS on MLS type good one, this should be it. But I'm not hoping for much, so I will go with this one. And then I think we might have gotten a little bit out of order there. So Rachel, I will let you predict. I'll let you go with your favorite game of the round, since I think you accidentally did your cup set, and maybe I misread the Google Doc. So I'm maybe maybe it was me who was at fault. Rachel, uh, your favorite matchup of this round. No, I'll take the L. I'm I'm always a mess. Um, <laughs> you know this. Uh, yeah, my favorite up, my favorite uh game. See, I'm I'm already saying my favorite upset. Um, I have to pick New England versus the Riverhounds. I mean, if it does happen, which I don't, 
love my boys, but I don't think it will. That would be such an incredible cup set. Um, I, I think it's going to be a, a fun, a, a good test against uh, against the Riverhounds. Um, and then also, Matt, I gotta be honest, I'm going to talk so much smack if we beat Bruce Arena, and rightfully so. Um, also, I had to pick this because I finally get a Rachel Dame, uh, Rachel Jamie Darby. Um, so yeah, I just think it's going to be. I think it, in terms of, of fun, which I think a lot of, of course, the Open Cup is very competitive, and you know teams want to win. I do think this is just going to be one of those fun matches, and I'm I'm intrigued to see how New England lines up. I'm intrigued to see how Bob Lilly lines up the Riverhounds. But I mean, we've been a pretty good side this year, so. All I can say in New England is don't take us lightly. I guess I'll go next since we're going a little bit out of order here. So my favorite matchup that I have from uh, this round is FC Cincinnati hosting NYCFC. I think it might be the, one of the more intriguing MLS versus MLS matchups you have. And if this was the pre, if this was a game that was happening on Saturday in your average week in MLS right now, I think it would be one of the marquee matchups of that particular weekend uh, given what I just mentioned about NYCFC or excuse me given what I just mentioned about FC Cincinnati and obviously NYCFC who are trying to climb the table as well um, and also two teams that historically have not been super great in cup competitions so maybe both of them are trying to change that as well so I think a really interesting matchup if both teams really go for it it could have a playoff atmosphere um, I don't have the MLS Next Pro table in front of me, so I don't know where FCC2 versus NYCFC2 would be as well, but it's a matchup that I'm excited about. And then for cup sets, I'm going to go with tomorrow night, Sacramento Republic versus Colorado Rapids. Rapids coming off of a big win against LA Galaxy that I mentioned a few minutes ago. They did not stay in California between Saturday night and then playing Tuesday night as well, folks. They flew back to Denver and they trained in Denver today and then are going to Sacramento. Either they are going tonight or potentially going tomorrow before the game as well and so that's a lot of travel to go on in this it was a bit of a hybrid lineup from Robin Frazier in their home game in the previous round against Northern Colorado Hailstorm but I look at Sacramento Republic who are top of the um, league in USL championship so they're top of the Western Conference Uh, I believe they're still undefeated and if there was a supporter shield standing they'd be top of that in the USL championship as well this is also a team that made the final last year so they take this competition very seriously and they like the opportunity to cup set MLS teams when they come to Bonnie Field and play at the fairgrounds in uh, in Sacramento. So I think there's a very real possibility you're seeing a Sacramento starting 11 versus a rapid hybrid or even a Rapids 2-ish lineup as well, which could be concerning for the Colorado Rapids to say nothing of the fact that Sacramento has had more rest going into this game compared to the Rapids who had a three-game week last week and this is going to be the middle of a three-game week this week. So they played midweek last week in the Open Cup, midweek this week, and they've also been on the road for both of their MLS Cup games as well. So a lot of minutes and a lot of miles logged for the Colorado Rapids. That does not bode well for MLS teams who have to go to Sacramento. With that, Harvey, I'll throw it to you to end our U.S. Open Cup talk with your cup set of the round. I'm going to go low-hanging fruit, and I take no shame in this. I will go with the best team in the USL, the Charleston Battery, at into Miami, and I'm a bit surprised at myself because um, I didn't pick Into Miami as a potato because it really disappointed me. I mean, this is a team that lost six straight games after winning the opening two matches, and they're starting to get Joseph Martinez going, 
scored a penalty against Atlanta at the weekend. But this Charleston Battery team is a fine team under Jeff Perman. I'm sorry, excuse me, Ben Perman. Relatively young at 37, but a nice core of players and a pretty good striker in the USL, Augustine Williams, out of Sierra Leone. Derek Dalton, the American midfielder with three assists. And look, if there's a team or if there's any logic to this, it is that the best USL teams beat up on average MLS teams. So I'm going to go with that logic, no matter how dead it is. That's that's my thinking. I'm sticking with it. Charleston, put the batteries into Miami. Fun little wordplay there, Harvey. Um, with that, Raheem, we will throw it to you. This is also um, a big weekend in big week, excuse me, in the Canadian Championship. We'll be kicking off with the quarterfinals, and we've already had the preliminary rounds that had the non-finalists from last year. Raheem, what happened in the previous round, and what are your expectations for this round and ultimately the competition? So, the interesting thing about the previous round was. It was the first time that a CPL team lost to a team that was that was um in the tier three league. So so this was uh something that happens obviously a lot in the US Open, but this is the first time this happened with the Canadian Championship because the, um just for the viewers, there are three kind of third-tier leagues. There's one in Ontario, there's one in Quebec, and there's one in British Columbia. And the British Columbia is the newer of the three, and it's interesting that they were the ones to upset the CPL team. Now, there was a CPL team upsetting a MLS team uh, with both Cavalry FC and Pacific FC against the Whitecaps previously, but this is the first time it's happened with the CPL team being upset by a team that is supposed to be um, in Tier 3. Um, I would say the other big game was uh, Cavalry and Pacific. Those two teams have been facing each other a lot in the playoffs and also in the Canadian Championship, uh, it, where Pacific won in penalties. And although Vancouver FC lost, it was this is their first season, Vancouver FC, playing in the township township of Langley. So um this they're participating in the first ever competition, the new uh expansion CPL team. Um I don't I don't expect too much in the quarterfinals. The semifinals is where I think things could get interesting. Um the White Caps they the White Caps have in theory, a better road to the final because I believe Forge FC, Toronto FC, CF Montreal are the harder teams. But the problem is that the Whitecaps would play on the road in the semifinals. But getting into the um, the matchups, uh, Pacific FC, I believe, will beat the Rovers. I think that is a game to watch because uh, both teams are in British Columbia. And it will be interesting um, Derby there. Uh, obviously, the other match will be Toronto FC and CF Montreal. I believe this game could go either way. Um, I don't, A big reason why I chose Toronto FC is because the game that they lost against the Revolution was their first home game lost this year. But 
Uh, I would not be surprised if Montreal beat Toronto FC somehow on the road. Um, Atletico Ottawa, uh, they, they lost 4-1 just recently in the CPL competition. And uh, Forge FC are continuing to play well in the Canadian Premier League. They've won um, all but one of the North Star Shields. There was one year where Pacific FC won it, but since the league started, they've won all the others. So I expect them to beat Atletico Ottawa. Um, the Whitecaps and York United FC, I do not, th- even though the Whitecaps are on the road, I do not think they will um, be, I think they'll be able to beat York United FC. Now, there's an argument that if they, I think Pacific FC and Forge FC are the more dangerous teams in the CPL, but even on the road, I believe the Whitecaps will get the job done against uh, York United FC. Thank you very much for that, Raheem. With that, listeners, we'll move on to the roundtable. Uh, there's too many games this weekend for pickums, and with all of the MLS Rivalry Week ones, what we're going to have instead of us picking a handful of games that we're interested in and have each of us do a prediction for that, each one of us is going to individually pick a game that is a part of Rivalry Week and then predict the outcome for that. Harvey, I will throw it to you first. I think I know which game you're going to predict. I have no idea who you're going to predict to win it, though. Yeah, it's not what you think. It is the Texas Derby between Austin and FC Dallas because I am in no mood whatsoever today to watch uh, NYCFC beat my Red Bulls because it's a high possibility. So I'm going to slip the script on everybody with Austin and Dallas. I think Dallas wins it 2-1. Austin just in poor form. They're not getting much out of their DPs. They're leaking, they're, they're leaking some goals as well. Dallas isn't really impressing me as much as people um, are impressed by them. I will go with Dallas to um, Austin 1. Raheem, okay. Uh, I, I'm gonna, I feel like I know which one. Harvey threw me a curveball there um, with the uh, Texas Derby, which is at 8.30 p.m. Eastern time on Saturday, May 13th at Q2 Stadium, and it is uh, as part of the free option. Or no, it is not part of the free option on uh, Apple on MLS Season Pass. But uh, Raheem, I feel like I know which game you're going to be predicting. Yes, it's um, it's the Canadian Championship. Uh, no, the um, the sorry, the Canadian Classic again. Um, I believe that in this game, uh, CF Montreal will beat Toronto FC. I think overall. CF Montreal right now is a better team than Toronto FC. And since they're playing at home, Montreal, I believe they will get the job down, done. Uh, I believe they will win uh, 2 nothing in Stad City. That game taking place also on Saturday, and that is a 7.30 p.m. Eastern kickoff uh, on the East Coast. With that, Rachel, uh, your pick for the week. Yeah, I'm going to talk about the Houston Dynamo with the Seattle South. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, I'm going to pick the Cali Classico. Um, talked about a little bit earlier. Um, Matt, you, you hit everything with, with the Galaxy, but I think San Jose um, getting some points on the road would be really helpful um, and, and very valuable with a, with a tough stretch of games coming up, and I think that they're going to be able to do it. Um, 
I hate to say for for any of our Galaxy fans listening, but I'm going to go uh, 3-0 actually in this game. And as the host of the podcast, I'm going to cheat and break my own rules um, because I'm Paul McDonough, uh, head of the USL now. Um, Rachel, uh, we should talk about that in a minute, actually. I'll, I'll throw that question to you. But first, uh, I'm going to I'll do the pickums then for the two games involving new head coaches. First at 1 p.m. Eastern time on Saturday, Chicago Fire hosting St. Louis City at Soldier Field. That uh, match is not behind the paywall. It is free on Apple TV. And then 7.30 p.m. Uh, at Red Bull Arena, New York Red Bulls taking on NYCFC in this one. I say there will be no new manager bounce in league pay for either of these teams. I'm going to say that after playing midweek and then some stuff going crazy in that game, it is a 1-1 draw at Soldier Field between the Fire and St. Louis City, and I'm going to predict a 2-0 NYCFC victory over the Red Bulls in the Hudson River Derby. Before we go on to... Last words, Rachel, I'm going to throw it to you. I don't know when this was announced. I saw it just now on Twitter. Paul McDonough, former Atlanta United and Inter-Miami executive who was actually banned from MLS for two years for breaking the roster rules at Inter-Miami, has been appointed the president of the USL with uh, President Edwards stepping down. Rachel, your initial thoughts and or memes. Uh, Not the greatest look, that's for sure. Um, But to to be honest with you... I always say, you know, there's a gray area to this, but some people deserve a second chance. Um, but he is not one of them. So threw you a curveball there too, Matt. <laughs> All right. With that, let's go to last words. Raheem, I will go to you first. Any last things that you want to say before we get out of here? Uh, so we have a, a Canadian League Basketball League, which is like, uh, it's like our version of the NBA uh, here in Canada. It started the same year as uh, the Canadian Premier League. Uh, I'm looking forward to, um, I, there's a Scarborough team uh, nearby, and uh, I'm looking forward to uh, wa- uh, watching one or two games there. So, yeah. Harvey, anything else that you want to say? I know you brought up hockey earlier, but, um, you know, any last words that you have before we get out of here? Yeah, no, I don't want to uh, talk hockey because I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm in focus mode. We got to tie this series up. You feel me? But, I will talk about the best team that is currently playing at Red Bull Arena, and that is the Gotham FC, baby. That's right. Fourth place in the NWSL. 2-1 winners over the Chicago Red Stars, which doesn't really say much, but hey, wins a win's a win. Two goals are from Lynn Williams, balling out. Excuse me, she scored a goal in the in that game, but balling out. Juan Carlos Amos has got this team pumping up. Um, got me looking at tickets for some games. Um, and we got a pretty decent schedule coming up for them. They got Orlando Pride, which is cake. Then they got the likes of OL Rain, Washington Spirit, and the San Diego Wave, all teams surrounding them in the playoff positions. So shout out to Gotham, a proper team on attendance in the building for a real team. And shout out to NWSL, doing a big this year. Rachel, last words, and then tell our good listeners about Icarus FC. Yes, good to good to be back saying this Icarus FC ad. It's been a while. Uh, gentlemen, are you tired of the same old uniforms and cookie cutter templates from Nike and Adidas? Are you looking for a unique, completely custom kit? 
for your youth club, your Sunday league squad, adult, or even pro team, Icarus FC can help you create the kit of your dreams at an affordable price. With the motto, any design you want, seriously, let them help you design your new custom kit today at IcarusFC.com. Yes, um, Harvey, shout out to Gotham, definitely exceeding my expectations. And shout out to the Orlando Pride, two wins in a row. Um, but there's another women's league I want to talk about real quick, and that is Liga Emekis Femenil. Um, ugh, guys, I just saw the final score. Club Tijuana is truly trying to break my heart because we just lost to Club Leon, and technically we are still in the running for the playoffs, but guess who we have on uh, Week 17 finale? That's right, Chivas, who just jumped to first place. So I think I might have to sing our swan song uh, for Club Tijuana, but um, FC Juarez, guys, that I don't know if you guys have, you know, saw on social media or anything, but they are a team who usually they're, they're at the bottom of the pile, you know, in the, in the bottom three. This year, they started out the gate real hot. Last couple weeks, they've been a little bit shaky with a few losses and a couple draws. Um, but they won when they needed to tonight, and they are in, they're sitting pretty to make the playoffs. Obviously, it's not confirmed yet. The final two spots are up for grabs, and the math is going to be a lot more easier for me because I remember in the Apertura, there were like three spots and like eight teams fighting for it, but now it's two spots, four teams fighting for it. So um, I'm predicting FC Juarez and Toluca make it to uh, the, or I'm sorry, FC Juarez and Pumas make it to the final eight, which Pumas would be a heck of a story because they've been sitting around 12th place for a lot of the season, but they, they've won down the stretch here when it matters most. So Legilia uh, for the Liga MX Femenil is coming up, but if you can definitely watch, uh, there, there's going to be four matches, of course, deciding those, those final four teams. So definitely check it out uh, this weekend. A lot of the games are on Friday and then uh, Pumas plays on, on Saturday. So a lot of good stuff down the border, gentlemen. No last words from me. I do want to thank our other sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, who are an official scarf supplier of MLS, USL, and US soccer in general. Get your custom scarves, neck gaiters, masks, etc. for your group or team or office at roughneckscarves.com. R-U-F-F-N-E-C-K on Roughneck. Uh, listeners, you can follow us on all the socials at LastWordSC. Check out all of our content at LastWordOnSports.com backslash soccer and search, rate, review, share the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Just search LWS Radio or Last Word on Sports. You'll find us and a bunch of other great content here from the LWOS family. Thank you very much for listening to us, and we will see you next time.